someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Good morning, boys and girls. I'm your substitute teacher. My name is Mr. Budworth. The topic for today is what you would like to be when you grow up. You, over there in the jean shirt, what you want to be when you grow up? I would like to be a police officer. All right, that's a pretty good profession. You over there in that black shirt, what you want to be when you grow up? I would like to be a fireman. All right, that's a pretty good profession, too. Hey, you in the back with those French braids. What's your name? My name is Snoop. Hi, Snoop. What you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a motherfucking hustler. You better ask somebody. Yeah. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast. That's probably our best intro. With, uh, yeah, with myself, Mr. Connor Keys, and as always, Mr. Ronan Mullen. Yeah. On the, on the doggy style. We are smoked out every day, boy. All the way, we do it doggy style. <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we're here to do uh, Snoop Doggy Dog, Doggy Style. Yeah, the not Snoop Dog. Not, not Snoop Dog. Not Snoop Lion. Not, not Snoop Lion, no. Uh, Snoop Doggy Dog, uh, with the two Gs. With two Gs, because he's a 2G motherfucker. Uh, yeah, so uh, 1993, um, with uh, Death Row Records, we have uh, Snoop Doggy Dog coming out of coming out of the, the West Coast. LBC. And uh, yeah, so um, hopefully you know this album, and if you don't, it's definitely something to go and look at, because now everybody knows Snoop. Everybody knows good old <laughs> happy Snoop. Nobody really knows yeah. in jail, murder, fucking yeah. investigations. Nobody knows all the fucking, yeah, the, the background. Well, people know, but... Uh, uh, Even as recently as 2015, I think he was still getting taken off planes for carrying weed with him. I, yeah. I, I, Switzerland, I think, was when Australia was definitely one. Right. I mean, it's Snoop. Like, I mean, it's, it's like, he loves it. Do you know? Yeah. Fuck, he loves it. He can take some stuff. He said the only man that ever had smoked him was Willie Nelson. Yes, Willie boy. This is the only boy. His entire uh, I life. I can see that. I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Snoop Doggy Dog. This is the first album from himself. Um, and, uh, I mean, again, we're back to selfishly doing a 90s album. Well, this th- this we've done another hip-hop debut from this year mm-hmm. already in Wu-Tang. So this was a pretty big year. Was um, Midnight Marauders Tri- Tribe Called Quest was this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of the Boombap KRS One was this year. Cypress Hill Black Sunday was ninety three. Mm-hmm. All major major albums, but I'd say this one tail end of the year came out. I think it was yeah. November December time. This one sort of changed the game a bit. Absolutely. So you've got the back in production, whatever genius background of Dr. Dre. Yeah, um, Dre had already. Dre basically the story of Dre and Snoop is Dre's half brother is Warren G. Yeah, Warren G and Snoop are like childhood friends, live mm-hmm. very close to each other. And with Warren G and Nate Dog, um, they formed Two One Three, which was like their early rap group. Yeah, um, Nate Dog was a singer and Warren G was a producer. R.I.P. Nate. R.I.P. Nate. Two thousand eleven. Fucking love Big Nate. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. Great voice. Um. 
Big shout out to fucking Nate Dog warns the enemy for regulate on regulate its own. Regulate by itself. That's a turn boy. It's a podcast on its own. Oh, boys. Uh, <laughs> it sold a fucking truckload, that thing. Shitload of money. You know he wasn't signed to death row? He was in Def Jam. Yes. Shoot, right, Nate didn't sign him because he didn't, he didn't yeah. think he'd be... On the fucking like, yeah. basically saved Def Jam from fucking folding. Anyway, and then, and then ultimately came out with maybe one of the greatest uh, uh, or most famous lines ever <laughs> interluded into a song: "Smoke weed every day." Yeah, that's ever. <laughs> that's, that's Nate. <laughs> Everywhere you go, that's fucking. Uh, yeah. So, this so is, the two guys, the two guys, basically, uh, Warren G's at a house party and he's playing. They run out of songs. Dre's at the house party. It was like a bachelor party or something. Mm-hmm. And he had the only thing he had was the demo tape that two one three did, and he stuck it in. Dre was like. Who's that voice? Yeah. Does he got Snoop? He goes, Snoop, who? And he goes, my friend Snoop. Goes, Shut up. Yep. He's like, get him in. So we have uh, Snoop Doggy Dog, uh, a.k.a. Calvin Brodus. Calvin Codazar or Codazor? <laughs> Codazor. Brodus? Junior? Oh, yeah, Junior, no less. Um, yeah, so it, it takes a bit of a different look on him when you start, start, calling, yeah. start calling Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> and he's called Snoop because his mom and dad, when he was a Wayne, thought he looked really like Snoopy, so they just kept calling him Snoop. <laughs> so they thought he looked like a fucking cartoon dog. Uh, and then just bullied him the rest and of his life. just bullied him? Yeah. Come here, you fucking Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the, yeah, the, the intro to this album is just, it all goes through deep cover. Remember the song? Mm-hmm. One night seven on an undercover cop. Remember that one? Oh yeah. And then the chronic, yeah. obviously, was the fucking breakout. But this album is the a natural progression from the chronic. A lot of critics say that this is just the chronic, redone. I, but it doesn't feel that way. No, it, it, uh, I could uh, the evolution of this of of Dre's production definitely jumped massively on this definitely. one. Definitely uh, from the chronic to the here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Snoop. Like on on um, nothing but a G thing is fucking, he's he's exactly you know yeah, yeah. that track maybe has been a wee bit replicated maybe yeah um but the again the background to it you sort of you're in L A you're mm-hmm. just on the near side of uh, after having uh, Rodney King yep. beatings uh the beating and uh, the subsequent riots subsequent riots riots from the the the, the not guilty verdict that mm-hmm. they received. Uh, the police, and then you had um, so you had that all that going on. You had the NWA had done their sort mm-hmm. of thing, but this so this was a different. It was still the the gangster, a gangsta, yep. um, still that sort of vibe. But Snoop brings a certain sort of well, we know now <laughs> what sort of mellow yeah, thing yeah, he brings yeah. to it. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> was it time, was his it was his weed hat <laughs> that inspired the name for Dre's album, The Chronic, because right. <laughs> somebody was shouting at him about. There's there's hydroponic and some and you no know, the the chambers the gas yeah. chambers in the car and he was going to hydroponic and he was like they got so stoned they were going what what's that hydroponic <laughs> <laughs> so they named it the chronic after his love of weed and he was, he was wearing weed paraphernalia like <laughs> unreal so I mean so uh, I mean even things like that chronic you know they so yeah but making the, up their own sort of uh, yeah. lingo if you want and and I suppose. A lot of people do that. I mean, we we even here in Tyrone, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have childhood friends that we have our own sort of lingo and words for things. And uh-huh. uh, but yeah, chronic and endo and all that sort of endo. stuff. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of code names. Now I don't know if they made them up with the chronic one, obviously, but endo might have been about for a while. Yeah. But you're right about the the. the I read something earlier this week about uh, the a guy talked about his rap style mm-hmm. and whereas most people need to shout or scream it or mm-hmm. nearly singing at you, he's just talking. Yeah, he's not really right. He's just talking to you. It's so yeah. It's uh, it's almost like me and you, Connor, right here, right now. It's just so late. <laughs> we can't do quite the same, but <laughs> but the, my mind on my money, on my money, on my mind. <laughs> fucking sir. But 
Bad coo represent. <laughs> they ever tell you we've been to a party in Hunter's Crescent? I don't know why the fuck I'm just what? talking about this. Did they ever tell you we've been to a party in Hunter's Crescent not that long ago? Um, it was for one of the guys that married. And uh, one of his mates from that he worked with was there. And clearly was from Fermanagh. Oh, yeah. Didn't know at the time uh, until uh, Blurred Lines came on, the song. Mm-hmm. Blurred Lines, you know you want it. You know that song? And uh, he's in the middle of the fucking living room, two o'clock in the morning, full drum, going, Belku! <laughs> you know it. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to not hear that. Right? The Belku! <laughs> Belku! <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so we all have those oh, uh, sort of words and, and things that are used, but uh, I think with this, that, that, that softly spoken thing... Mm-hmm was such a, a, a contrast to the fucking Uzi Carry and Snoop. Oh, man. That was, seemed to be, and presented as being predatory and menacing and fucking hard as fuck. Yeah. But we know now with hip-hop and all the rest and different things uh, as time was on that might have been just a wee bit of a front. Yeah, pictures but, were painted that yeah, weren't. Well, with some, it some, was very accurate. Some was quite accurate, but um, like there's, there's a lot of talk of... I think we, I don't know if we talked about it in the Wu-Tang Clan one. There's a lot of talk of the LA riots, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, there's a great documentary on, I think it was VH1 did it, and it was about the, the sort of, um, the riots and the aftermath and, and the sort of hip-hop music. And what they were <laughs> talking about was somebody told a story of, basically, during the LA riots, Dre went into hiding. Yeah. Ultimately, he wasn't going to get involved and didn't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, because he's not a fucking, he's not doesn't come from a gangster background. No. Dre was part of a fucking three-man fucking singing trio the racking crew the racking crew um and so it, it the story is basically snoop and dre went into the uh yeah they recorded the, the chronic yeah. yeah and the chronic was done while the yeah. riots were on whereas tupac heard about the riots flew back from vegas <laughs> drove down the fucking street with a newsie <laughs> shooting in the air go come on you motherfuckers <laughs> So there were certain ones you just knew were actual gangsters, yeah. and the other ones were playing. But um, but, but the picture that's painted played it well. Yeah. To be fair, I think there is a there's a moment in um, the Defiant Ones documentary when Snoop says that he did come in with a TV, uh-huh. but he was just walking down the street to the studio, <laughs> and when he came in, Dre was like, "I'm worth a fortune after NWA. What the fuck are you doing stealing TVs? Like, I'll buy you a TV." <laughs> <laughs> and he's just walking. Up. Somebody was giving away a TV, yeah, but they weren't. They just stole it and you yeah, took it off them. It was, but it was free. Free TVs, man. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of, and it, it, there's, there's, there's a, uh, there's maybe, there has been arguments from the likes of, you know, uh, some of the hardcore hip hop, um, that there was a lot of, what would you call it? I mean, using gangster hip hop to <clears throat> divide um, communities. You G- know, it, G-funk? Ex- it exacerbated the Bloods and the Crips. It, it helped keep them divided in that sort of sense. There the, a lot of, and there then, is, it, then it went as far as East versus West then. You know, yeah, it, it well, that of, was that was created by the media. Yeah. That was created, I think it was Vibe magazine, one of the first whoa, ones that put up. Whoa. No, 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 whoa, no, no, no. Ronan? I know. Did you just say something was created <laughs> by the media? The media. <laughs> Ronan? In the cadence of our time, I know it's hard to believe, but the media created the East Coast, West Coast theory. <laughs> We will go. It didn't create anything else, Not, but the East Coast, just the East Coast, West Coast hip hop feed. I'm gonna die um, on that hill <laughs> <laughs> of just the only one that they've went into that I just don't like is that they created a feud between the likes of Chuck D, 
mm. and Dr. Dre. Yeah. Which never happened. No. And it's... Uh, but, I mean, we should talk about the impact. Because we really should explain. I mean, realistically, I know... Well, we'll ask you, where did you first hear Doggy Style? Uh, Shane McEnhull's sister's bedroom. <laughs> okay, we'll move swiftly along from there that one. There you go. <laughs> Ryan McCaffrey's wife, uh-huh. rushing, for uh-huh. some reason, was playing flat out through their house, and their mum and dad weren't there. Right. And he was like, who? And he was having an argument with her, because she took it out of his room. Uh-huh. And that's the first time I heard it. And that was like, it must have been two months after it came out. So it was like 94. Well, I probably was about... Three weeks after that, because it's the same link, almost. So Dan okay. Conley yep. had got a copy of maybe Shane McIntyre Paul Martin. Probably, aye. And we were... Uh, I think this was the original, so it might have been from that fucking CD. Uh, no, this was tape. So I only oh. uh, I had our old school boy. There was no CD in that fucking... No, no CD. So I was in the tape. And he had a tape copy of it. And then uh, I didn't really know what the fuck it was, I'm going to be honest with you. I had, the good thing was I have fa- I've told you before, I have family living in America, so... Mm. My cousin's the same age as me, and she was a big hip-hop fan, so she had told me about him, but I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, let's be honest, we're in rural Tyrone. Yeah. What the fuck was Snoop in, that, in 1994 going to be, you know, talking to us yeah. about? But, so I listened to it, and I put it on, and I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Number one, again, you had to context. I was 13, 14, so here was this just noise of fucking and riding and fucking... Well, I didn't know what most of the things were. Yeah. That's the thing I think maybe it was very key for me in this is that this was my introduction to, I was going to say black culture, but it's not, I mean, adult culture. Yeah. You know, uh, I get, like I, the I drinking, the partying, the riding and all, you know, I was like, what the fuck are these boys doing? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know that this was, as I get older, the black culture, which is a wee bit more exaggerated than, yeah. but it's still the fucking, still the same fucking so party you go- culture. You were going up expecting those parties <laughs> at everybody. Everybody. And it didn't happen. It didn't. Nothing. No. There was a oh. lot more techno being played in houses, and nobody danced like they danced in the videos. No, and I didn't know Tangeray was gin. <laughs> didn't know Tangeray, <laughs> Tangeray was gin. Yeah. Uh, Endochronic Dolomite. I never knew what Dolomite, Dolomite not was. Not a ball. Uh, I had to go and look about. So he then introduced me to a lot of stuff. Yeah, and well, this um, is the first. This is the first hip hop album to debut at number one. Right. Okay. This album, there's a stat here that fucking knocked my balls off. There's 1.2 million. Sold in two weeks. Hmm. Copies. This was the most anticipated debut ever. After, obviously, after the Chronic. Chronic was mm. huge. So people were like, well, when are we going to get to hear this boy on his own? Mm-hmm. So this lands. And by December, and it was out in November, by December, it had outsold the other four in the top five combined. Jesus. The top four mm-hmm. were Garth Brooks in pieces, Nirvana and Utero, Pearl Jam Versus, and Mariah Carey's Music Box. Fucking classic. It outsold all of them. Jesus. So... That is this was a, massive. Well, I mean, you could you, well, now with hindsight, you could look at it and say that was a massive, maybe uh, one side of the community buying it. But this is the thing about this album; it 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 wasn't. No, when it was no, hitting no. us in fucking rural Tyrone, it was something yeah. about it. It wasn't like, um, say, NWA or Public Enemy. It wasn't like that. And it, it, obviously, it uh, we'd had the Beastie Boys and things like that. But this was yeah. something different because, again, I, I I do believe a lot of it falls down to Dre's production. And the tracks that he used to sample. Yeah, definitely. 100%, they, you're right. They, they give it a certain... 
it was as I said before, it was a weird, weird contrast. It was just nice and bubbly to relate to, but then there's sinister fucking yeah. level to what Russell Simmons. About. I was just watching a documentary, and Russell Simmons says exactly what you said. Right? He said this sounds like pop, but it has a real gritty yeah, undercurrent that like, you yeah. can't put your finger on. Yeah, you're talking, and it's absolutely 100 percent correct because the first time I heard this, I was hooked by the melodies. I didn't hear one note, one word of the, the, any of the MC that was going on. Yeah, I just heard the melodies and went, happens to me with, yeah. "What the fuck, singers? What's like, yeah. that?" Mm-hmm. So. Of course, I'd heard the chronic, and it was filled with great melodies and great samples as well. But this one just seemed like it it was more complete. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Dre must be looking back at it and going, "That was the album I should have made." Yeah, absolutely. To be fair, yeah. he did. It, well, yeah, but he put a different name on he the did, fucking yeah, album yeah, cover. Yeah. Like, but um, uh, it, it is one of those albums, man. I think actually, Dre's two thousand one, which we sh- maybe should do at some point, maybe in the future. But that yeah. kind of is his full circle. I think that's when he took all the learning from Chronic and Doggy Style and every other album. And yeah, because it took him fucking... took him a long time. A long time. But it was fucking worth it. Yeah, it was a good album. Um, but so... It is a good album. It is a good album, yeah. So, well, maybe. And so, we, we've got then the tail end, maybe, of MTV playing music. was around about... Yeah, you know, roughly, fair. I mean, uh, um, but I remember the music video for Who Am I? What's My Name? Mm-hmm. Was everywhere. everywhere. And like you say, because of the, and like every fucking... Any younger people listening, you'll have to try and figure out uh, and remember what it was like to have uh, one or two channels doing music. Fat Five um, Freddy directed that for the year. No, I didn't know that. The guy who hosted UMTV. Mm-hmm. Fat Five Freddy directed that. And it has mm-hmm. some of the worst uh, special effects. Mm-hmm. To, even then, you were going, oh. <coughs> uh, yeah, budget was Death, Row, Death Row was camped on that budget. <laughs> uh, this was the single. Everybody should know it, I'm nearly sure. You'd like to think everybody would know it, but uh, you never know. But so we got. You've Snoop coming in, and uh, it's kind of starts off. Yeah, like they, they love doing dialogue. their wee skits. They love a bit of acting. That's where Aye. they always end up in films. But so this was. This better. Oh. This better have. Oh, no, did you hear that? Do you have? Is this full of swears? This is no swears. Oh, you cut out the swears? No, I didn't. I just found a video here that has no swears. This is the, this, that's what I'm saying. So, you have to remember that uh, when there was pre-internet yeah, and no Spotify and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and you got the album, but the album had the only, but everything at that time, they did another version. Yes, of course. With yeah. the lyrics, yeah. yeah. So, we know that, but this is the other version. So, anybody that knows the album will know that these lyrics don't really match. No. That's for me to cliz up my grip. You made up words there. You made up words. Instead of fuck up shit, it's me to cliz up my grip. Um, but again, that, that sort of uh, kind of like what you're saying with Russell Simmons, like that light poppy sort of, I almost want to say dancey element to the, mm-hmm. the backing. And then the skill of him rapping. But that's that's deliberate because that's yeah. G Funk. That's yes. Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton. Mm-hmm. But from as opposed to being P Funk Parliament Funk, it's G Funk Gangster Funk. Yeah. But that's the biggest influence on the chronic, on this, yeah. on regulate. To the point then that I mean P Diddy, Puff Daddy at yeah. the time. Yeah, took, he stole a lot of that, their world. Like well basically took that idea to Biggie mm-hmm. for uh Juicy. Mm-hmm. That that old seventies funk music that yeah, yeah. you know apparently according to this, the, the the film and all the rest that Biggie didn't want to do it but Puff was the the genius that inspired him to do it yeah you're like no 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 Dre did that the year before <laughs> yeah they've been doing I mean George Clinton's fucking guessing up this album is filled I think in the samples list for this album 
P-Funk, George Clinton, or Funkadelic, or any of the old school 70s funk bands, mm. there's like a, 14 samples. Yeah, I mean, we could... From we one could, genre. We could probably look and see... But that one's see, Atomic Dog. We could look and see about maybe uh, playing one of the... Mm-hmm. Just to see. So if you know the album, I mean, should we play the original first or play the play the cover first and try and see? Um, play the play the original first. Uh, okay, I can't remember what that one is, so I'll have to play this one. We'll play the. the this sample. is the this is the sample for G's and Hustlers. G's and Hustlers, which is what which we is, started off with. We started off with, so we'll uh, remind you of that. You should be there. <laughs> Okay, and then you give you the give us the give us the name here. This is Bernard Wright, and for me to pronounce it, I nearly fall over myself. Habaglabatibin, Habaglabotribin. <laughs> I thought it was Tribin. Tribin. Carbon copy, like yeah. So basically, so see, yeah. what they did was they weren't sampling per se. They were getting the sample mm-hmm. and re-recording it and amping it up. Because like I was going to say, you could you could tell by the sound on it that's not yeah. the, what they're that's using. That's not a remix so not of like, the sample. So it's not technically a sample because a sample is taking a sample. Of a sample. So yeah. this is like a what what is that called? It's a reworking of it's a reworking of the. Of the but the, of the you know, you still have to pay yeah, royalties. Yeah, you still, still have yeah. to, and they give credit. But in fact, this album was held held back. By a few months because of that. Here, hold on now. I just thought of something. What is it cheaper to re-record? It might be. We that, we covered this in the prodigy. Remember? Yeah. yeah rather to than, re-record it, to it re-record might be rather than to actually. Yeah. So go through. Um, there you are. So that's so that's Hebo <laughs> Um Bernard but, Wright. Bernard Wright will be easier to say. Then. <laughs> but <laughs> but <Yes. it's, laughs> but again, I mean, it's uh, hip hop's famous for it. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of Famous hip hop songs, especially mm-hmm. the ones that go to the sort of, if you want to call it the mainstream. Yep. Um, they, they're they're all sample. They're of all course. songs. They're all famous songs. There's a great there's a great uh, tale of um, did I tell us about Praz and the Fugees? Remember? No, no. So Praz and the Fugees. Whenever the Fugees split up, he came out with um, a song, a single song by himself. Remember, he had one hit. And I remember. So, yeah. So he went into the studio and he got all the guys gathered around and he was like. Where do you hear this? <laughs> and they're like, wow. And he was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever done. And he went, get a superstar. That is what you are. Coming from afar. And then they all sort of looked at each other. <laughs> so this is like the record producer telling the story going, we all looked at each other and went, what? And he was like, don't you think that's like, isn't that the sound like the, and he was like, you do know that's Kenny fucking Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> he had no Islands idea. in the stream. He had no idea. He, he you just, see he, he, the, the the ghetto superstar and all the things. So he genuinely believed, without thinking, oh, I just stole this. He actually thought, "Fuck, I just came up with that." Ghetto super didn't realize it was fucking we're, we're a gonna, melody that had sunk into his mind. We're gonna go off the track for a brief moment. Go, go, go! I was just watching a documentary about comedians stealing from other comedians. Mm. Oh, and there's a word for this, <laughs> and it was addressed. Most famously, it was addressed by Louis C.K. Uh, when Dale, Dale Cook, Dane Cook, Dane Cook, Dane Cook uh-huh. took a bit of his, mm. uh, nearly verbatim from an audio stand-up special. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any recorded HBO shows yet. Mm-hmm. 
and used it in one of his big, massive arena right, yes. specials. Uh-huh. And Louis C.K. actually got him in his show, Louis. And they did a bit about it. Right. And basically, what they came down to was you miss hearing it, mm-hmm. forgetting you've heard it, and mm-hmm. repeat it. Mm-hmm. Now, that to me, if I was a stand-up comedian, is fucking terrifying. Oh, it's the worst thing. And I remember you telling me a story about you don't watch new specials because you yeah. might inadvertently yeah. do something. No, it's not, not 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 like you would do it deliberately. No, no, no. Or but not, it's a not, subconscious yeah. sort of. I I I I do. I stopped watching. I used to be a massive fan of comedy, and then started comedy and stopped watching it. <laughs> yeah. But it was for that reason. Was number one. Well, two reasons. Number one is subconsciously you never know when you are doing that. I always always that proud story always sticks in my head. And but was then, that was that something you thought of? All the time, I was worried about that at all times. And then, but the, like, the other thing I was really worried about was, especially when you watch the best, when you watch the Dave Chappelle's and you watch maybe the Louis C.K. and all that sort of stuff, and you see them touch a, a, a topic or a subject. Okay. Once I hear that, I'm done. I'll never touch that topic again. And right? I just in case. Just a topic. Jesus. Because nobody has to me. Then once I've seen the best do it. I'm never going to be as good as that. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So whereas okay. if I don't see it, I just do my own thought on that topic. And then somebody might say to me, oh, that's kind of like what Dave Chappelle does. And you're like, oh. And that I, breaks your heart then. Well, well it's, it, it, <laughs> Because it, you, didn't, you definitely didn't watch it that. It does fucking break your heart. But it's also at the same time going, what, word for word? And they're like, no, 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 it's just the same idea. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. But when it's word for word, that's the proper theft. I so chat to Mickey Bartlett about that. Um, I've... I really? think he's number one for the most... Um, most thieveries? No, he's the number one of the uh, comedian whose material has been stolen the most. Ah, that's what I mean. He's yeah. had the most... I've seen maybe three, four comedians doing a Mickey Bartlett bit. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Local comedians? Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, again, I think it's that thing of... of, of there is a, there's, a, there's always an argument in stand-up. And again, the good thing about stand, the difference between stand-up and music is with stand-up, you can turn around and go, well, there's parallel thinking. Yes. Which is true. By I the mean, way, if the, you think it's of, called cryptomnesia. Cryptomnesia. So if you want to look, look up joke theft and cryptomnesia, cryptomnesia. it brings up a lot right. of uh, examples of people stealing directly. Yeah. I mean, not even, like, your doll Amy Schumer, apparently is a fucking Brilliant. nightmare for it. Like, really it's bad. unbelievable. But what she did was, a person on Mad TV did a skit. Mm-hmm. And she copied the skit verbatim <laughs> and just changed the color of the teller mm-hmm. who she goes to buy something in a clothes shop. Yeah. I mean, it's word for word. Like. That's the exact same. Yeah. And that's, and, and so then, but <clears throat> it's, uh, it's seen as the, as the dirtiest thing to do in stand up. It is. The thing is with music, you can't get away with that. No. So we've seen that recently with, uh, actually, I've seen it recently and I was very eh, about it. I was a wee bit in between when it came to music, the Sam Smith thing about paying Tom Petty. Yeah. I kind of... I know what you mean. Y- you have to stretch a wee bit. To, to, not to stretch, but you, you hear a wee bit of melody there. Yeah. But it's not the same song. No, it's not the same but song. But the good thing with music is you've got notes. Yes. So the notes will, will, will gauge you. Yeah. The yeah. notes will gauge you. Yep. Now, the thing is, stand-up, obviously, you've got words that mm-hmm. if they're exactly the same. Well, yeah. then, you know, that's 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 proper plagiarism. Well, blur- but, but like there the you go. You said it. Blurred lines. Blurred lines. Belco. <laughs> Belco. It was fucking nicked from Marvin Gaye. Like. Yeah. And it was yeah. directly nicked. And they, they played the fucking Pharrell get away from that one. Yeah. Until they found out then it was more a bit of a rip song. So. Um, yeah. The, the, them blurred lines. Uh, Belco, man. Aren't really that blurred. Well, they are in Belco. <laughs> Belco. <laughs> I knew you wanna. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Belco. 
Stop it. <laughs> uh, so back to G Funk. So this one, but what sample when samples are using this one, they're done with such love. Yeah. And it's done so well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's hundreds of samples in this album. Well, yeah. um, some you would never have thought, mm-hmm. but the the Atomic Dog is the most famous one, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's it's a direct. I mean, even the front cover of the album has fucking George Clinton quotes from his albums yeah. in it and all. Like, yeah. So it, the, 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 it wears its love in its sleeve, very obviously. But there's so many class samples. Yeah. And it's like a... It's just like a Rolodex going through. If you ever look up the samples list on the on the internet, it's it's unreal how many things were sampled. Well, I mean, even in general, I I, I tell you what, uh, one that I love showing to people because I didn't know it when it happened was uh, which probably one of the biggest singles in the UK for hip hop was Eminem's first single. Yeah, when Eminem first came out, it was really big. But that's Lavi Sifra. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember that, you told me about that. That tune is Lavi Sifra, yeah. and then. It's, uh, I wonder if I have a copy of it here. So, it's kind of like, yeah. Right? So, it's yep. like, okay. And you're like, so, if you play it something like, that's not Eminem. Yep. You know what I mean? And then it goes on and continues. And it, it was on somewhere on the radio. And then it got to like. Yep. Come on, see this Uh, I was like, but just fucking yeah, direct. So that's uh, Lavi Sifra, and it's called "I Got the." If you want to take a look at that, nineteen seventy-five. It's it's yeah. So it's crazy how melodies and tunes are in our heads, and we don't know originally yeah. where they came from. And it happens a lot of times to me, especially with hip hop, where you're going, "Oh, that's what happened." Look up, slave, watching you. Right. Got to play a start that just to just to see how vague <laughs> some of these are, and some aren't. Okay. Just like our have a global driving. Was not vague in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Have you got it? Did you bring it? Up? Right? Uh huh. So you're like, what? Uh-huh. Not F- quite yet. Fame uh-huh. it. Fame uh-huh. it. Yeah, it's it's, oh. it's, it's, it's funk. Oh, there we go. Get the fuck. Yeah, the mel- the vocal melody. Uh huh. I never knew That's that. That's a cool song, too, man. That is class. That's so from... Play, uh, stick on some gin and juice. So that's some gin and juice mode, folks. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to see if we can find it. Yeah. So we gon' smoke an ounce to this. Jeans up, hoes down. Why you motherfuckers bounce to this? Back to you. Lay back. <laughs> there you are. There, there we you have. go. So, so even that there song, Gin and Juice. Yeah, you no, know, I'd not fucking bother with even our man. culture to this day. We're only coming along to Gin now in, mm-hmm. in more recent times. Oh yeah, but Gin and Juice was like alien. It was like what? Yeah, like You're Gin and what? Gin and, and what juice? I but that I would always say, what do you mean like orange juice? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> orange juice? They're like, yeah, we yeah. drink gin and orange juice by the fucking liter. Yeah. Like you. This is fucking great. Yeah, we just, we just had eight Michelobes and a Snickers. <laughs> you have gin and orange. Whenever juice? I first asked that in uh, in in America when I was there, and they told me that I was like, "What, uh, like actual orange juice?" Yeah, I was the same. Man. <laughs> yeah, you were like, not like, like not like Suki or something. Like, no, like o- OJ. Not even a my, my Wadi. No, no. 
Cordial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a cordial. Fire in a bit of cordial and water. See if you have a bit of money. There's a wee tip for you, uh, But yeah, rolling down the street, smoking endo, sipping on gin and juice. Whenever I heard that first, 1994, I was only in second year in school. Mm-hmm. I was like, right. So smoking at that stage, yeah. smoking endo, I thought he was... Like endo were a short name for a brand of, yeah, cigarettes. That's brand of cigarettes. <laughs> you know, I thought that was just a. It's like oh, he's smoking endo and butlers there. Uh, <laughs> endo and butlers. <laughs> but I, I just uh, didn't get it at all. Been too young, you know what I mean. And then, uh, so in case anybody's wondering what happened, maybe that's that's what this is. But I think maybe the con- that's, that's it. <laughs> that's it. This is no. it. Uh, but the context of this was again. Uh, I mean, we living in rural Tyrone. Um, you can probably hear sound effects in the background. I mean, yep. it's that was me. Sorry, <laughs> I always do a motorbike from it's two mile away <laughs> just for the crack. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wild skill you have. Uh, but from here, I mean, you can't explain to people from the north how bad it was to be a teenager in the early nineties and be into black culture. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. It because. Whether we want to fucking admit it or not, there's a lot of racist people out here. It is very racist. We were very, now. In fairness, I've done this before. Material, like in fairness, I don't think it was our fault. You know, a wee bit of racism was a nice breakaway from mm-hmm. sectarianism, but <laughs> there was a lot of it there to the point. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you this because I'll go for it. I'm looking forward to it. Fuck, whenever I think, right? So. Basically, I remember, like, first coming back from America, it was 93, it was this year, I didn't say it's 94, obviously, but 93, I talked about it before the previous podcast, I'd first uh, got to see Ray Charles. Yes. So, like, that that 12-month period, I had Ray Charles, Snoop Dogg, U2's first album, a lot of things happened in 93, 94, right? So, I had, (laughs) uh, I came back from America in 93, and I bought a pair of what were known as there locally, baseball boots. Oh, Yes. Now, what the youngins today would call Converse. Yeah. <laughs> Just the name of the, the brand. Just the name of what they are. Came home with a pair of fucking baseball boots. Jesus. Wearing, uh, do, you, do you know when everybody in Ireland ever went on holidays? Yeah. Just know they came back because they had baseball tops and they had all this sort of stuff yep. and they had all the American gear. And red, so, not tanned. Not tanned. Red. Yeah, just pure red. <laughs> so I, I I, basically had a Chicago Bulls top, which matched my fucking skin color. I remember that top. And, yeah. And uh came back wearing my baseball boots. <laughs> and uh, a certain member of the uh, Dodge City crew. Oh, I walked fuck. down and go, fucking hell, you, you think you're fucking black, do you? <laughs> And I don't. I said I don't think no. you do. No, I'm still fucking. I'm pretty. Nope. I'm, I'm actually pretty red at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> so there was that sort of attitude because I can't explain to people now. Especially our, our 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 age will know. So basically, around about what say thirty eight to forty forty two, we'll sort of understand that. But anybody really like, especially born after ninety five mm-hmm. on, they don't understand that hip hop wasn't part of the culture no no not even at all. when it was massive then when nwa was out and public Enemy, no, it, it wasn't still. here it mm-hmm. wasn't nothing at all it was snoop and i'm actually going to go further than that it wasn't snoop it was eminem okay we would racist maybe but it was eminem that really brought hip-hop to the forefront in the uk and ireland oh yeah massively yeah yeah and then everything flooded in all the yeah. sets and everybody's 50 a, cent and everything from there big, on oh in everybody's a big biggie yeah. fan and they were massive under oh fuck i love it hey i know people that are um, really into hip-hop that haven't listened to anything past 2004 uh-huh right or before 2004 before, yeah so you're going uh-huh <laughs> uh yeah like that's my whole i've not listened to anything after 2000 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know but it's it's kind of like the same as rock yeah you know, you're meeting somebody going oh, i haven't heard any rock before uh 2004 and you're like what yeah there's some amazing bands today, but you do know what happened before. Yeah. <laughs> <It's fucking laughs> 
like when you got criticized for covering the nineties too much because people were like, know. I don't know about the nineties. You're going, oh yeah, yeah, you were an infant. <laughs> yeah, here's the ultimate irony. Cut to uh, after being chastised for wearing my baseball boots. Uh, cut to fifteen years later, the same boy in a pub, uh-huh. shouting for "Drop it like it's hot" by Snoop Fuck on the jukebox. The whale. <laughs> I know who I this is. I watched him and I went, "Oh, really? Uh-huh. Like Snoop Van Fuck up with you. Fuck up. <laughs> Here, I've got a quick one. This is funny. This but no, this, well, go ahead because the best one's to come. Because no, that this is a funny one. I remember Dean McCauley telling me a story about being in a chippy and Kelly Clark. And he was wearing, a, uh, he was wearing a, uh, you know, geared up. Uh-huh. Like all the boys were into hip hop, so they were wearing the fucking baseball stuff yeah. and the basketball tops and all. This. And there was a guy in front of him, and he had the starter uh, Los Angeles Raiders hat mm-hmm. in it on backwards, oh, so you could see the starter logo oh, at the front of his head, oh. the clip. Need the crack. And Dean goes, "Here, man, where'd you get the hat?" And the boy, <laughs> slowly turning the hat the right way around, went, "The states." <laughs> The states. Every time me and Dean talk about that, and I, <coughs> I have, I'm still in stitches about that story. Just imagine a boy from the buck stick me on and first up, right? <laughs> the states. <laughs> so, well, this is like so you have to give the con- so this is the context of this album. So this album then landed in with this thing because we also have to remind the, the image of him at the time. Now, maybe it, it because we know now when it comes to not only for this instance because media only created things around this. Of stuff, course, of course, but. They created such a hype around him mm-hmm. that it be- he became kind of, I want to say, cult like. Yes. Um, to the point where, and and I think you can, you can Google it. Uh, I hate fucking saying that. You can search for it online, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see if you go and uh, uh, search for Daily Mirror Snoop headline. Okay. So I had the tape in my house, right? My mum had already fucking went to the toilet and heard me playing. We talked about that, remember? Yeah. And we, me, I remember uh-huh. being in your house too. One morning we woke up and we were listening to it. And uh-huh. I could hear your ma going, what's that? Uh-huh. And you were like, no, hon. And you looked over at me with fear and I went, what's wrong? And he goes, no, no, she heard me listening to it before. It's the one, do you know the one where he's all talking about fucking... Yep. You wanna, you wanna, skit? We're going, no, we're going to fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The song yeah. about, yeah, yeah. you know, and if you don't want to fuck that day and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now, my ma had heard all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, not a bother with the Uzis and the fucking Endo and the gin and juice and yeah, the yeah. fucking Tangerine. Don't man. be fucking riding. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what I was. That's like. it. That's what I could part her ears up. What's that? They talking about sex. Yeah. Uh, typical fucking Irish mother. But so the, the Daily Mirror headline. Mm-hmm. And I remember it because I had the tip. Uh, we, we were pretty early to get it, so it hadn't really come. It, it was only coming to tour the UK on the back of the album. So you're talking what November was the album, so it might have been March, April. I don't. You'll find the exact date. But big front page of the Daily Mirror, massive picture of Snoop, and and it stood out in my mind because I'd never seen a swear word on the front of the Daily Mirror, right? And it just says, "Keep this bastard out of the UK." Whoa, fuck! I don't remember that at all. I remember walking into my local newsy wee Jimmy Ferris shop and seeing Snoop's face on the fucking counter, and this bastard. I was like, "What the fuck?" And this was soon after. Like Maybe. this was this was ninety. This was like prime time when he was sort of. Uh, uh, there was a, lot of, a bit of controversy around him maybe doing a drive-by shooting before on his way to MTV Awards and stuff. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so he was a wee oh. bit, uh, it was proper gangs. But I mean, it, it's so, so I felt, I was like, oh, fucking, I'm baiting the system here, boy. Mm-hmm. This boy's somebody that we shouldn't be listening to. You know, and that, that might explain a wee bit of my attitude today about authority and stuff. Okay, yeah. But would... it was a massive fuck the system album in that sense. It was. It was 
portrayed as being a massive fuck the system album. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our world, it was because here it was just fucking sonically it was amazing. Oh, right. lyrically the 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 obviously the content of the, of L.A. and the American culture was appealing new to us as well. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. getting into it, and I mean, and some of it was cool as fuck. Let's be honest. Yeah, it was. It fucking, definitely was. A lot of riding, a lot of fucking drinking, a lot of partying. Like, yeah, was, and then the videos portrayed the same sort of attitude and same the same stuff, vibe. A lot of money and stuff, yeah. But again, like anything, a lot of money and a lot of drugs and all the rest, there's obviously death behind it, you know. But they, don't, yeah. they didn't go into that stuff well, as much. Um, but <coughs> here's, here's here's the bit I want to tell you about that to finish up the own relevance to uh, to the album. So, recently, Noel Darcy. Yeah. You know Noel. And uh, Noel has been... Kind of like the boys with the the, the uh, bad taste crew, mm-hmm. local breakdancing group. Darcy's been about that sort of sort of culture for a long time. So he lives in Taddy Ray. Now, if you don't know Taddy Ray, Taddy Ray is a very small uh, village. Yep. Slash whatever hamlet uh, outside of Omer. So really, really rural. Like we're we're known as townies. You know, they're they're yeah. fucking. Even though they're five minutes away. Yeah, they're five minutes away, but uh, it's still proper rural. So Noel was a bit like myself, right? In the sense that he liked that stuff, like us. He liked mm-hmm. that basketball jerseys and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And Noel Darcy's family would be quite a, the Darcy family are quite big yeah, yeah. in, in Teddy Ray or whatever. But no, <laughs> so I always thought my story of, fuck, you're wearing baseball boots, you think you're fucking, do you think you're black? Mm-hmm. I thought that was bad. Yeah. Take it to the next level down in Teddy Ray, where Noel stood out even more. Oh, yeah. From everybody else by wearing hats. He was a bright, shiny penny. <laughs> Wearing the baseball, uh, basketball tops and the hats backwards and all that sort of stuff. To the point his nickname became Noel Darkey. Oh, fuck me. Is it real? Really? Yes. Oh, man. A, it's brilliant. <coughs> B, it's very racist. He told me himself there. And I went, man, are you f-? He goes, I know. He goes, that's what I had to face. Well, I was like, that's the fucking level. Your family and people around you are calling you Noel like Darkey. Man, oh. That's real. That's bad. That's really bad. And fucking genius at the same time. It is genius. Uh, it's so genius. <laughs> that's a that's a fantastic one. <laughs> but, shit, but shit, it's shit horrible. But Wouldn't get away today, but again, it shows you how far we have come. If yeah. you think about Royal Tyrone in the space of 1984 to 2020, mm-hmm. in 26 years, I mean, nobody would say that now. No. Not even, like, not even the old, old generation. No. You go, oh, fuck us now. No, no. It's just been racist. It wouldn't happen. You know, yeah. we have moved an awful lot forward. In some places, in some and, places, uh, but yeah. So no darky, and um, Jesus Christ, I can't believe that. <laughs> I I was in a coffee shop and he told me, and I nearly fucking <laughs> dropped <laughs> like that. It's fucking uh, unbelievable. But th- so this was uh, an influence on some young people here. Yes, it still was in the in the background. People now going back to this album, there are some standout, um, what you would call hip hop iconic songs. Mm-hmm. Um, we played. Uh, what's my name? Um, gin, and, gin and Juice was another one. Um, there was uh, Lottie Dottie. Yes. <laughs> we had that. We had the sample of that. We should play the sample of that, I think. Um, Slick Rick. It's an homage to Slick Rick, yeah. who Snoop says is his one of his biggest influences. But this is Slick Rick doing the MCing, and it's Dougie Fresh doing the beatboxing. Lottie. You know what, your peep this, lotty dotty. We like the party, we don't cause trouble. We, we don't, don't bother nobody. Nobody we're some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. It's yeah. It's it that I song never knew that song till today. That song pretty much 
is a staple for a lot of MCing. A lot of little lyrical bombs that you hear through this song oh, you see are used in tons of albums. I see that loads of times. I actually, uh, there you are. So I actually give Snoop credit for some of those mm-hmm. lines that I have seen repeated in other places. So it's, there you are. It's Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Slick Rick, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it's the the impact in this album had because you've got the tracks that you've got the slow track. Yep. You know, you've got the, the party track, you've mm-hmm. got the fucking gangster track, you know, Killer Killer and all that all sort of there. stuff. Everything is there encompassed in one album. And ain't no fun, big boy sexy track. <laughs> ain't no fun. It's so fucking brilliant. <laughs> if, it ain't no fun it's if a homie the, can't have none. Like it's it's the most misogynistic <laughs> shit. It really Violent is. Yeah. and just animalistic, but you can't stop listening to it. I know loads of women, real like women who are very much into women's liberation and their femininity and they know every lyric in this album. They know every bitch on Snoop Dogg. And Dog. they love it. <laughs> on Dog and Dog I Dog. love it too. And it's just one of those albums, man. You can't... I, I think it's like, yeah, it's taking it as a piece of art in that sense, yeah. as opposed to being... We're not from but there. I can't release can that Can we do that anymore? Can mm. we say that was just a piece of art that wasn't actually influencing people to think away they think about women? Well... <laughs> it sold 1.2 million in a week. Surely that's it's some sold, form it's of sold influence. It sold 7 to 11 million worldwide yeah. to this day. So... I, mean, I, I know where you're coming from. I mean, there's something in there. Like, I mean, maybe it did actually cause problems to society as opposed to being better. Well, here's my here's my problem with uh, stuff like that. That type of narrative was the hype that you probably saw on the front of that newspaper was based yeah. on that sort of hype. Absolutely. Also, as well, he was being accused of murdering someone. Yeah. While this album was being recorded, he disappeared mm, yeah. and he he didn't do it. No. We think. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was not charged. He was acquitted. Hmm. So... A lot of that was going on as well, so that was a sort of hype. But my problem with this sort of era of that, like your doll, Dolores Trucker, see Dolores Trucker, who was the one that came out and said, you know, this this music is the music, it's yeah. you're destroying black America. And, but this is also from the same government that, like Reaganomics and all that, and they shut down after school programs for kids, and all the kids could do was go out and be yeah. and sell drugs and end up doing this yeah. type of shit. And especially in black communities, and you're going... You can't be one and not the other. Like no, yeah. Like I always remember there was a skit on TV years ago to the point whenever you think of and and I don't mean to sound anyway conspiratorial because that wouldn't be the case. No, but if if you were to look at the media portraying that mm-hmm. to sell more albums, yep. in order to keep a society or a community down, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you keep your finger on keep, it and you keep them divided, mm-hmm. keep fucking hyping the gang culture, keep hang, hyping the sort of kudos for the more you shoot the more you kill the more you make the more money you know the the Scarface mentality which is in a lot of hip hop Mm -hmm. so there is maybe uh, you know maybe there will be a change in the hip hop scene maybe in in the future you never know we Um, don't know we're Nostradamusin. Oh, it was 2012, motherfucker. Is that a hip, a hip-hop album, Nostradamusin? Oh, there is. Tupac, <laughs> didn't he? Nostradamusin. <laughs> Machiavelli and all that stuff. I remember a seeing lot. a sketch with a guy talking about um, uh, gun control in America. And he's mm. talking about, now there's a lunatic in a cabin mm-hmm. in rural bumfuck Iowa. And he's polishing a gun. And he's loading it with bullets. And he's watching the TV. So there's a TV, a lunatic, mm-hmm. and a gun. And which one are they trying to ban? The TV, because yeah. it's got violent images on it. Yeah, and it's the same hip hop. It was scapegoated big time for fucking violence. It got blamed for a lot of stuff, but it, it fitted. If you were if you were the powers that be that uh, control the drugs, it fitted. Of course, the, it did. The crack cocaine, the issues were going around at the time, um, because a lot of money to be made in drugs. There, there is absolutely a ton of money to be made. Fucking shitload, and that's a that's a surely a global known 
It's like a, it's like a global. Everybody knows that if you were a drug kingpin, you're not going to be fucking struggling for a loaf of bread. No, you're not. No, no, no you're really not. If you're uh, an unsuccessful one, you're in prison. But if yeah. you're a successful one, or dead, obviously, a successful one, yeah, you're going to be quite fucking rich. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a global, universal fucking rule. Absolutely. Um. So there's money to be made. There is, but he so, played up to it as well. To be fair, oh, but it's I mean, he released, there, a, he released a film. Based on the song and this album, Murder Was The Case, he released a film about his murder case. Yeah, so they know it. it uh, it's kind of like uh, like any any sort of subgenre or whatever. It, they they know that fucking scandal sells. Absolutely. Humans love it. But just, when you go, lap it up. Like when you go back to the sound of this album, there's a few quotes I want to say about this album, right? One's from Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. And Chris Rock said, talking about The Chronic first, he was like, The Chronic is sonically incredible, but it's hard to drive around singing songs about Easy Eek and Eat a Big Fat Dick. <laughs> he goes, but, but I got a feeling I'll be singing Gin and Juice when I'm 90. <laughs> yes. Which is so fucking That's true, so and it sort of encompasses yeah. everything me and you've been saying. Yeah. Rolling Stone said that Doggy Style is filled with verbal and vocal feats that meet its high expectations, which is true. It speeds through 55 minutes of constant talk as if it's on a suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel the same way. Because yeah. when the time it's over, you're like, why is it so short? And you're like, it's fucking not short than the hour. Yeah, I know. It's but a, it flies through. flies in, yeah. I think the interludes do play a part in the speed of an album. Yeah. It does perceive it to be... Yeah, there's no long songs no. On, on this album, but there's lots. Lots of albums, lots of songs. And it's uh, for a debut, it's up there with maybe one of the greatest hip-hop debuts, maybe. Yeah, it's up there with Wu-Tang and yeah. Nas. And- um, it was because... <laughs> I. Maybe controversial here if any big Snoop Dogg fans listen. I think it's the best he did. Absolutely, oh, it yeah. has to be. It, it, it's There's nothing. Everything else has been just been some. Great I've listened stuff, to a few, but I haven't listened to any with the consistency of this one. I followed him for a while because I was such a fan. I followed him for uh, quite a few number of years, um, right up until, uh, right up. I suppose whenever I was in America again, I was over visiting family again. Um, whenever the Open Smoke tour, yeah, went out. Uh, we were in fucking Chicago when it was there. We just didn't know in advance. Me and the bro. Oh, man. Two of us were fucking... Yeah, 2001 just... That would have been a memory to fucking... Would have been lethal. Um, but, I, so, I remember that uh, the change, even from, say, 94 to, to 99, mm-hmm. was massive. Yeah. Because Eminem had done that sort of... Yeah. What would you call that? What had Eminem done? He had sort of... He broken down the bar exploded with fucking sand, like all that stuff but well, he exploded he, he exploded with skill number one. Oh, yeah skill extreme was the first thing skill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but then I think the media again pushed the white end of things mm. um, the white became a, a, a kind of like what Tiger Woods had to suffer in golf it became a, an issue not an issue yeah. but it was more like can we talk about a skill as yeah. opposed to talking about him being the first white or first black to do whatever well, um, let's not forget Vanilla Ice. Uh, yeah, broke the mold. Uh, and well, I was going to say, if you're going to talk about fucking white people taking black people's music, let's talk about fucking Elvis. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> Hold on a fucking minute. Here. How dare you fucking diss first the Ice Man, then Elvis? You was even Vanilla Ice's fellow man. What the fuck was going on there? The, uh, the what one? Vanilla Ice's fellow. Oh, man, don't you, oh. oh, boys! Mm-hmm. Drop the zero, get with the hero. <laughs> he says that. Without what, not rapping, he said it as a line to another human. <laughs> he wrote it and never like reread it and went, "No, maybe I shouldn't put that in." Uh, yeah. So uh, there are cool some, as ice. There are some uh, uh, proper criminals out there. There's a good story about Snoop at the the tail end of all this madness, mm-hmm. still trying to be convicted for fucking murder. The album's out. He's <laughs> huge, and that the in 1984 he was scheduled to be a musical guest on Saturday Night Live, 
Mm-hmm. And he missed the first plane because his colleague Daz, his weed man, arrived late. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, he caught the later flight and just made it. Fucking hell. He also hosted, um, an, he gave out an award at the, what do you call the MTV Music Awards mm-hmm. with George Clinton and Dre. Mm-hmm. The day his warrant was released. <laughs> so they were looking for him and he was standing <laughs> on stage with George Clinton giving out an R&B award. <laughs> on national TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's up? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm up for murder. I mean, the, the later life of Snoop, I mean, it become... This album, obviously, musically, <coughs> put him number one. But yeah. I think then, as later years went on, he became more than music. Yeah, you know, I'd the say pers- that. The personality. An icon. More, yeah, it's, I, I'm on, I wasn't going to say I, but yeah, icon or legend was a thing, but I mean, it's... To the point that he doesn't have to release anything anymore. That's what I'm saying. No, no. he doesn't have to. He doesn't no. want to. He's got enough uh, credit or, or kudos to, to do that. You know, um, to the point it makes you wonder what has he done to get that level of power. But um, mm. that's for another podcast. That's another podcast. But there are... Do you, do you want to hear a sad story before we end? Well, uh, what better way to finish a podcast? <laughs> Fucking right. Did you hear about the Universal fire in 2008? No. Uh, a lot... Uh, a universal lot in Hollywood mm-hmm. got burned up, like it was at the Universal Studios, and there was a lot of things. Um, first, it was announced that it was certain film and TV stuff was burnt up, like old reels of mm-hmm. films. But they found out master tapes. Mm-hmm. Universal had Interscopes and Warner and all this. Oh yes, I remember this. Remember yeah, all yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Brian Adams who was looking to release a remix, remastered version of one of his albums. And wh- how you do that is you go through your agent and then they contact whoever and they uh-huh. send the masters. Yeah. So basically the masters is how it was recorded on the day and mixed and mastered. And that's yeah. the version. Then you can fuck with that because you can put it in digitally, change yeah. whatever you want. Snoops was one on the one lost. Doug said it's gone. Mother. The original master of this album is gone. And it's ball because Brian Adams found out. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Adams was hoking about. And he found like thousands Johnny Cash stuff, Dolly oh. Parton, everything on Interscope. And do you remember there was a fucking uh, uh, a sort of like a feud with the Six Niners? Oh yeah, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Summer Six Nine. Fuck me, man. Jesus, boys, we solved her. Solved her. Brian Adams burnt down the fucking Universal lot. Brian Adams is in charge of the world. Fuck, fuck me. That's why he got sixteen weeks number one. We solved it, really. Sixteen has a six we in it. Have fucking hell! Oh, what? This is mental. Right. Play the guitar. The, the things that Doggy Style has done to us in our life is mad. It's just a revelation. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Adam. You, you know, Snoop Dogg also holds the Guinness World Record for the largest cocktail. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm he holds said, the record. I'm for, tail no, it's tail. Uh, the largest paradise cocktail. Right? He holds the world record. Look it up. I'm not lying. Guinness oh, okay. World Records. It's the because it's the Listen. largest gin and juice. Ah, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, too. I'm not lying. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it with Snoop. Um, (laughs) When you you employ somebody to roll your joints. Yeah, that was... Remember you told me that one? (laughs) I was going, what? Somebody's in his employment. His sole job is just to roll joints. Roll joints? (laughs) Get on it. Fucking, you have to just keep feeding it to him every every 20 minutes. Uh, So, listen, if you... Take a look at the... uh, Take a listen to the album. Obviously, it's on Spotify and Apple Music and all the other places. Um, Do go and look at... uh, the samples go and find out this yeah is the joy of a hip-hop album that takes you on other journeys then of other and a lot of times it is taken from other sort of uh, uh black artists that they have been influenced yep, by or big time kind of like us like coming from a white irish culture of our dads were listening to whatever you know i've seen re- recently um a lot of people put up last week about their dads were fans of john prine 
Yeah. And that's how they became a fan of John Prine. Yeah. And that, you know, things like that. And so this is like th- that version, is like the, the, the black version would be the likes of Dre and all them here in these 70s sort of hip, mm-hmm. sort of uh, funky music and uh, it's staying with them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the same thing, about, like, uh, and go and take a look at samples that have been used elsewhere. I, like the 99 Problems. Yeah, yeah. Never knew that. Did I, you I, not know I, that? Uh, like, Kevin Gormley taught me way, way back. Kevin was like, well, I, I know said, that song. I said something about uh, Jay-Z and 99 Problems and he was like, aye, but I prefer the original. I was like, yeah. Uh, Hold on. Yeah. I think you'll find. <laughs> I, I, I just had the exact same experience very recently. Right. Where somebody went, that's an amazing line. He, You know, I know it's a sample, the song, but that's an amazing line. He's a great lyricist. And I went, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking iced tea, baby. Iced tea all the way. And uh, yeah, so I remember my mind being blown. And so when you think you know something, mm-hmm. just there you go. remember that there may not, you might not know it. It might not be what you, <laughs> might not, might be, not be what you know it be. Aye. Aye. Um, yeah, Ice T and Nine Nine Problems. It's, it's uh, when he played it, I was like, holy. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's After a, me giving it's, such praise to fucking oh, Jay Z. So for, it's late 80s real gangster rap. How, Ice-T. Like, and then obviously that led me down the Ice T route. I had been there before, but I just never knew that song. I'd already knew like OG and you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I never knew that. And I was like, okay. So same with Snoop, same with Dr. Dre. Go and take a look at the samples. Take a look. Um, it's not just about that. We The, the thing about this is, unlike an, uh, an album like. Sergeant Peppers, and mm-hmm. you're not going to get into the. There's no hidden meanings. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no symbolism. It's I want to bitch with ass. It's that's all that meant. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that meant. Yeah. R- rolling down the there's street, <laughs> smoking endo, <laughs> sipping on gin. That's all. That, that's what they were doing yeah. before they got to the studio. Don't read anything else into it. No, that's it. It's just. A, um, but again, it's 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 maybe a, a masterclass in production. It is. It's still. I know Eminem has maybe taken a, the rapping skill to the next level. My personal opinion, he's taken to the level where it's almost become scat. Yeah, it's it's almost a bit crazy. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. But that rap god sounds scary as fuck. Where he does that like three bars while breathing, while breathing. I was busting myself. Big skill, but I still. I mean, you could apply it to anything. You could apply it to football. There's certain Mm -hmm. footballers, for instance, that there's that they have skill that you're going, oh fuck, a skill. Mm -hmm. But this boy's my favorite player. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you are fucking brilliant. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe it. I love watching you and you're brilliant and all the rest, but he runs a team. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? There's always a fucking Akeem to Ronaldo mm-hmm. or fucking Ronaldinho or whatever. To... So, did I just do a hip-hop football analogy, Roman? Yeah. <laughs> football, yo. <laughs> Soccer, yo. <laughs> Until next time. Bye.